Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Well, good morning, Trinity Church family, and to all who are watching this morning. Uh, It's a great delight to be able to bring to you God's word this morning. And I pray that that for all of us, we would see Jesus more clearly through this chapter in Revelation. So this morning's Bible reading is in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 to 29. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Trinity Church family, as we start looking at the words of the church in Thyatira, I want to ask you this question. Do you know that God cares about your works? Do you know that he cares about my works, about our works? about Trinity Church Aberdeen's works. Did you notice that Jesus mentions work five times in these 11 verses? Verse 19, Jesus knows their works. He knows that their latter works exceed their initial works. Verse 22, he calls those who follow Jezebel to repent of their works. Verse 23, he he gives to each of us according to our works. 
Verse 26, he gives authority over the nations to the one who keeps his works to the end. Jesus is deeply invested in how we live. Now, it's worth stressing, isn't it? It's always worth stressing that this does not deviate away from grace. Salvation is by grace alone, by faith alone, through Christ alone. Remember, this is to a church, a church in Thyatira, to God's redeemed people. They are sinners who have received God's mercy and pardon. And notice verse 24 and 25, Jesus does not want to lay on these believers any other burden, but he wants them to hold fast what they have until he returns. And, and the language here is, is also, also significantly like the language used in the Council of Jerusalem back in the book of Acts, where, where John himself was present. And it was at this very council that, that Peter insisted that salvation is by the grace of the Lord Jesus. He, he spoke against putting a yoke upon the neck of the disciples Jesus is not trying to weigh down the Christians in Thyatira. He's not trying to weigh us down this morning. Our works do not help to justify us before God. But Jesus is saying that the way we live matters. Morality and obedience is is not a wide open playing field. The way we treat one another The way we treat those in the church, outside of the church, the way we treat our spouses, our our children, our grandchildren, the way we, we respond to him and his word, the way we worship him, the the people we have leading our church, the, the way we use our money, the way we use our homes, all of these things deeply matter to God. And so they should matter to us. Our holiness is not what saves us, but but to be holy is one of the reasons why God has saved us. Holiness is necessary for our redemption. That's the message of James, isn't it? We are justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies is never alone. And these words to the church in Thyatira are, verse 18, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Jesus sees all with his eyes and he has feet that will certainly and swiftly pursue all that is evil in his church. As he sees and walks and speaks, he will purify. For verse 23, he is the one who searches mind and heart. Nothing escapes him. And as he casts his eyes over the church in Thyatira, and as we come to hear Jesus' voice today, I think there are three things he'd have us know. Number one, continue in good works, for Jesus sees them. 
Number two, never tolerate what Jesus hates. And number three, hold fast until you receive him. Number one, continue in good works for Jesus sees them. All of us at the moment, to, to some degree, we, we know the pain of life without seeing one another. For some, it's the pain of, of not seeing loved ones, not seeing friends, family. For, for some of us, it's the fact that, that kids are growing up in isolation, growing up when it feels like nobody knows them. No one's sharing in their precious moments of walking for the first time or, or talking for the first time. And, and for all of us, we know the harsh reality of not seeing one another here on a Sunday morning. The pain as I preach to an empty building, to, to faceless pews. That the lack of seeing and being seen can often be completely demoralizing. And more generally, I think, if, if we're honest, we, we can quite often feel like this in the Christian life. You know, we, we continually extend out friendship and support to people who, who never seem to reciprocate it. We, we faithfully serve on the welcome team, flower rota, session, you name it. And, and we wonder if anyone really appreciates it. If anyone would really notice if we, if we just stopped doing these things. Well, brothers and sisters, these things, all the things we do for, for Christ and his kingdom are wonderfully important because Christ sees these things. You know, Jesus is not like the, the drowsy grandfather nodding off on the couch when, when he's supposed to be keeping his eye on the kids. No, nothing ever evades Jesus' watchful eye. Jesus knows of our works and he commends us for them. And that's precisely what, what Jesus is doing to the church at Thyatira at the beginning of this letter. Here we have the longest of the seven letters and it is written to the church in the smallest and least important of cities. Verse 19, he, he says he knows of their works, of their love and faith and service and patient endurance. In many ways, this church is really healthy, isn't it? This is a church who, who, unlike the believers in Ephesus, have continued in their love for the Lord Jesus. They do this by the sort of church that, that tells their children of the commandments of God. You know, these are the people who, who invite their friends to, to events to hear the gospel. This is a church that is trusting in Christ and, and they continue trusting in Christ, whatever the circumstances. And they're learning to depend on him more and more. This is the sort of church that delights in service. A church that when new people arrive, they, they warmly welcome them. They, they introduce them to other people in the church family. They, they encourage them in how they can get involved in church life. They meet up with them for walks. They, they have them run for lunch. This is a church that patiently endures, that's more concerned with small and faithful than big and flashy. 
when, where new people gravitate to the needy and not to the in crowd and to the pulpit. And in all of these works, they've grown. Did you notice that? Verse 19, your latter works exceed the first. Brothers and sisters, for, for some of us this morning, this is exactly what our ears need to hear. Jesus sees and, and Jesus knows and Jesus is pleased with these things. And so continue in what you are doing. Now, as, as Jesus zooms in on this church in Thyatira and tells them of the good they are doing, he also exposes a very serious problem. Because there are some Christians here that are tolerating what Jesus hates. And that's our second point for this morning. Never tolerate what Jesus hates. Verse 20, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Now, Jezebel is, is almost certainly a, a code name linking this woman with the, with the wife of Ahab, who, who was one of the kings of Israel. Now, you can read about her in 1 Kings chapter 16, and you'll see she led the Israelites to the worship of Baal by, by practicing all sorts of idolatry and, and immorality. And similarly here, this woman is calling herself a prophetess. And verse 20 is teaching and seducing God's people to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Now, this problem of, of false teachers has reared its ugly head in the letters to the churches before. Uh, the church in Ephesus, they, they hated the works of the Nicolaitans in chapter 2. Uh, last week, we saw that the Christians in Pergamum, they, they had with them the Balaamites and Nicolaitans again. But here in Thyatira, this church tolerates them. They tolerate them. They maybe dislike them. They maybe disagree with them, but they don't oppose them. Their love does not discern. And the problem with tolerating this woman Jezebel is it's a very, very slippery slope. For tolerating very quickly leads to practicing. That's what's happening by the end of verse 20, isn't it? Some of God's people are practicing sexual morality. And our question this morning has to be, why did they do this? How did they do this? How does a healthy church start to cast aside their good works and, and turn to false teaching? And I think the answer to that is they take the easy road. They, they sacrifice hard truths for ease and comfort and stress-free living. Like we saw last week with the church in Pergamum, they compromise. Now, the city of Thyatira was, was very much a trading city, and it was basically made up of, of various trade guilds. 
And if you wanted to get ahead in a world like this, if you wanted to, to earn a living, then, then you had to belong to one of these guilds. But the problem was that these guilds were strongly immersed in worship of false gods. Each guild was even said to have its own guardian god. And those in the guilds would, would have to attend members' banquets. And these were hotbeds for immorality. And so what was a Christian to do? Not conform and be out of a job? Out of an income to feed the family? Walk out of the banquets and things get really bad? And face the ridicule and persecution? Or does he stay? He attends the feasts. You know, he, he, he eats the food. Just saying in his head, but, but you, Lord, you, you know that I, I don't really mean this in, in my heart. Well, th- this was the kind of pressurized situation that was ripe for the false teacher to sow her lies into. For, for here was Jezebel's solution. You can eat of these meals. You know, you can engage in some illicit sex. I have secret knowledge. Don't you know I'm a prophetess? I've got God's words. Don't you know these idols are, are nothing? That, that people who are really spiritual know that, that what we do with the body makes no difference? Don't you know that if you listen to me, you can do all these things, keep your job, your respectability, and remain a Christian? Oh, friends, make no mistake, the temptation would have been real. And it's exactly the kind of temptation that every Christian in every generation has had to come to face. Do I really need to tell my school friends I'm a Christian? Surely it's enough that I, I love Jesus and, and go to church. Surely it's okay if I, if I give a donation to my friend raising money for, for some unethical charity. I, I know it's not something I want to support, but I don't want to lose my friendship with this person. Surely it's okay if I, if I live with my girlfriend or, or boyfriend before we are married. You know, it, it's not that we're having sex. And, and actually, it, it helps us to save money. We, we can give this to the church. Friends, sin can always come up with excuses to do what it wants. To do what is convenient. But even when people can justify their course of action, they cannot deceive the one who has eyes like a flame of fire. Now notice, Jesus is, is even gracious to this Jezebel. You know, she, she's teaching and, and seducing his people to practice sexual morality. And yet he gives her time to repent, verse 21. But she refuses, and the Lord Jesus does not take to this lightly. Verse 22, Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. 
Jezebel's bed of lust is turned into a bed of sickness. And her children, who, those who follow her teachings and practices, will be struck down. Unless those following her repent. In the midst of their turning away from Christ, he extends out his hand of deliverance. To those who are living in sin, he, he urges them to repent, to return to him, to return to his works and not to Jezebel's. And, and maybe for some of us this morning, that's what we need to hear. Maybe you've realized you've been sacrificing faithfulness for comfort in the workplace. Or or you've been struggling with sexual purity for a while and you've just gotten fed up with the battle and you've begun to not even care anymore. Well, Jesus says to you this morning that your situation is not hopeless. With him, there is hope of cleansing. With his spirit, there is hope of power. With him, there is hope of transformation. With his words, there is hope of holiness. So repent and draw near to him again, and he will draw near to you. But now, for for many of you this morning, I I know that, that in the pressure to conform, you remain firm. You know, you you take your guide from Scripture and and not from the world. You know where the authority lies in this world. And you know, that, that was true of many of the Christians in Thyatira too. Verse 24, but to the rest of you who, who do not hold this teaching. Remember, this is a church that, that Jesus commends. This is a church filled with faithful believers. And to them, Jesus says, verse 24, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. And that's our final point for this morning. Hold fast until you receive him. Hold fast. These are days at the moment that we that we so feel the need for that, aren't they? It's sometimes all we feel we can do. Clinging on to God's promises, like a, a young child takes grip of their parent's hand in a busy street. We feel weak. We feel small. We feel helpless. But friends, we, we hold fast to what we have because we know there is a task to be done. We, we know there is something worth holding on to. We know there's something needing to be shunned. Christ's works must be kept and Jezebel's turned away from. The faithful yet weak-looking believers in Thyatira felt it. And yet it is to these people that Christ will give the authority over the nations, verse 26. From the smallest and and least important of towns in Asia Minor, from a church of a couple of hundred people in a small city in the northeast of Scotland, to ruling the world with Christ. 
the rebellion of the world against him will be brought to a complete end as the enemies of God are broken like clay pots dropped from up high. The grip which sin and the dark forces of the world have over believers will be snuffed out forever. And most wonderfully, the Lord Jesus will give us the morning star, verse 28. That is, he gives us himself. Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. I want to close by uh, giving you these beautiful words that, that Jonathan Edwards preached at a funeral of a friend of his. This was him reflecting on seeing Christ in the next life. The nature of this glory of Christ that they shall see will be such as will draw and encourage them. For they will not only see infinite majesty and greatness, but infinite grace, condescension and mildness, and gentleness and sweetness equal to his majesty. The sight of Christ's great kingly majesty will be no terror to them, but will only serve the more to heighten their pleasure and surprise. The gift of God himself, the greatest gift we could ever receive. Brothers and sisters, he who is an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. May we always be attentive to his voice. Amen.